This is Kristen Hedgecock. And I'm Ash Matson. You're listening to Apta Sophia, which means useful wisdom in the pursuit of biblical womanhood. Hello, this is Ash Matson. I am here with my co-host Kristen Hedgecock. Hello. And we have an incredibly special guest today. We are actually in studio right now at the Cross Politics Studio interviewing Toby Sumter. Hi. Hi. <laughs> thanks, hey. for, thanks for coming over. Oh, thank you for yeah. agreeing to sit and chat with us for a little bit. So for those of you who don't know that much about Toby, Toby is husband to his lovely wife and high school sweetheart. Um, he's father to four children. He's a pastor at Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho. He's a co-host of the show Cross Politic and the author of two books, Bloodbot World and his latest book, No Mere Mortals, Marriage for People Who Will Live Forever. He also writes at his blog, Having Two Legs, which you can find at tobyjsumter.com. So on this episode, we kickstart a new series of episodes on uh, Christian marriage. And we're diving in by discussing some of the topics in Toby's new book, No Mere Mortals. But before we get into the meat of the episode, we have a very important question to ask Toby. So, Toby, <laughs> would you rather give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life or give up the internet for the rest of your life? I gave you the hardest one I think I've ever found on the internet. For the rest of my life. Rest of your life. Uh, and it's absolute, so you yeah. can't build a fire. Right. Yeah, we got to yeah. go extreme with this. Yeah, I'm, oh, wow. I'm, I'm going to give up the internet. Yeah, that's a bold, <laughs> <laughs> bold move. Okay, what's your reasoning? My, my reasoning is, I mean, uh, my ancestors have survived for, in fact, I remember when internet came. Uh, when I was like in middle school, we got our first dial-up internet. And so, I mean, I can remember life before the internet. And, yeah. you know, I love the internet. I think it's a, an enormous blessing. Uh, but, you know, I, if I, have to, I, I live in North Idaho, too. And I don't want to be here without heat. I'm going to die. <laughs> I thought about or that. Or AC. Yeah. And, I mean, and how hot does it get? It's, it's not as bad here with AC. But it's, it's, a, <clears throat> it's a nice blessing. But I need heat. Um, you will, you'll die without heat here. So I mean, yeah. I'm, I can, I can live without internet. I don't think I can live without heat. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go for it. I really like the idea of having the best of both worlds. And my ultimate dream is to retire and live in a school bus and like travel across the country. Okay. If the church would just travel with me, that would be wonderful. <laughs> but unfortunately I need to stay in one place. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but if I could just move to like the perfect temperature yeah. every few months, then I could have right. the perfect temperature and also... The internet. The internet. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I kind of, I think I found a way to trick the game here. You said it was absolute. It is. <laughs> it is absolute in the sense of scenario. So I'm not building a fire. I'm not, yeah, but okay. I, I might be running away from the cold. Yeah. Going down to Florida. Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, Arizona. Yeah. That's the place to be in the winter. But you can't live in Arizona in the summer, though. Nope. About air conditioning. I thought about them too. I'm thinking about all my friends in the extreme yeah. climates that are probably yeah, kind of up against a wall. What about you, Kristen? I would I would be able to give up internet for the rest of my life. Yeah. You guys are so practical. <laughs> you know me. That's just all right. All right, all right. So yeah. on our next episode, we're going to be asking the question: Would you rather talk like Yoda or breathe like Darth Vader? 
So please head over to our Facebook and Instagram and weigh in. We'll have the post there for you. And we have all of our previous Would You Rathers. Go there. Let us know what you think. And please tell us why. We need to know what your reasons are. Also, if you like the podcast, please help us out by leaving a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Share a favorite episode with a friend and help other people find us. So... Um, Toby, we are so excited to dive into this book. Um, we want to just start by, um, asking a little bit about how you, what, what brought you to write it in the first place? Yeah, well, um, I'm a pastor and so I spend my days and have spent them for a number of years talking to people about marriage. I also live in a college town. Um, we have a, a new St. Andrews college is a classical Christian liberal arts college, um, here that's closely associated with our church. And we have, so we have a huge student body um, population uh, in our church. So I do a lot of weddings, actually. Um, so I do a lot of premarital counseling for couples um, that are um, looking to get married. Um, and then after the fact, um, you know, there's um, various kinds of, you know, tune-up conversations where couples will come check in with me, um, you know, that kind of thing. Or sometimes um, you know, things can get kind of rocky or bumpy and they'll come in and seek advice or counsel. Um, and I th- and so it's it's uh, front and center for my ministry and um, something that um, I, if you know a little bit about Christ Church, the senior minister here is Doug Wilson. He's also done a lot of teaching and preaching on the family and on marriage uh, for many decades. Um, and, um, and so there's sort of the practical demand for it. Um, I'm part of a I'm blessed to be part of a church community that's put a lot of emphasis on it. Um, we've, you know, unfortunately, the the modern church um, has very, um, we've not done a very good job of passing on the faith. There's there's not a lot of multi-generational faithfulness to point to. Now, I think God's actually probably doing a lot more through generations than we can always see. But, but I would say on the whole, our grade's not great. And a lot of that, I would say, goes back to marriages, um, broken marriages, broken families, or, you know, maybe just sort of really mediocre marriages that aren't flourishing, aren't thriving. And um, you can't do that and not have disastrous effects on the generations that follow. And so I would say both just sort of the practical demand, the practical, um, uh, you know, here I am with couples coming to me regularly. Can you do our wedding? Sure. Um, and so what, what this grew out of was practically um, that actually my premarital counseling, um, I did probably, I don't know, for 10 years um, as a pastor, I don't know, 50 or 60 weddings or something like that. And, um, and I just sort of codified in my head um, three, I do three sessions with couples. That, you know, I don't know why, but that's how it worked out. And so I do three sessions with them and I just did it over and over again, you know, 50 or 60 times. And then at some point, I don't know, a few years back, I thought I should write it down. And so, um, and then I mentioned it to Canon Press, um, the uh, local uh, publishing company about um, putting it into a book. They were excited, um, encouraged me to develop it in such a way that it would apply to more than just couples preparing to be married. Um, so it grew out of that and so there's places in there that occasionally lean a little bit more towards preparing for marriage, but um, the principles there are basically for, you know, whether you've been married, you know, uh, you're going to be married next month or you've been married for five years or 10 or 15 years, it, it, all, it all applies. So that's where it came from. Yeah, I definitely saw that tone in the book, but it was really helpful to me as someone. I never went through premarital counseling. Right. And I am in some ways kind of a first-generation Christian in our theological tradition. So yeah. it was really helpful to have that 
I'm almost 10 years into my marriage right. and I gleaned so much from it. So good. I, I think you did a very good job of tackling the premarital aspect of it, but also making Make, it, applic- it applicable. Yeah. yeah. If you're currently right. married. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I, I tell people, I think God <clears throat> made me a pastor because I have to remind people of things that I need to be reminded of all the time. And so it's, um, and so I, I, you know, I know, I believe that it is helpful f- I you know, just celebrated 20 years last summer and with my wife and, you know, it's the kind of thing that I need to be reminded of regularly. Um, so I hope it's helpful to everybody else. Yeah. I wish it was as easy as hearing it and then just yeah, right. doing just, it like right. the matrix. I've always yeah. like, it, it was just as Plug easy as plugging something yeah. in and then just right. learning yeah. a new skill. That right. would be wonderful. That would be awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That way. Um, so how did you come up with your title? No mere mortals, a marriage for people who will live forever. It's very catchy. Yeah. I shamelessly stole it. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I stole it from C.S. Lewis. Oh, okay. um, so early on in the, in the book is, uh, there's a, I do cite him. So I, I stole it, but I cited him. Um, I, I guess, um, the thought is, is I think, um, uh, he, he says in this quote, I think it's, it's taken from a, a message that he gave. I think it was actually a sermon he preached. He wasn't a preacher, but he gave occasional sermons and, um, uh, called, um, the weight of glory. Um, in which the the theme of the of the of the message was um, that um, people are um, uh, endowed with the image of God, and therefore um, that um, there's a there's something in people that will live forever. Um, they will live forever. Um, and the, the quote that I, I used, you know, he, he says, you, "You've never come in contact uh, with a mere mortal." Um, in this world. So, you know, the people you, you know, you shop with or um, you see on the bus, you, see, you know, you see in the coffee shop, everybody you come in contact with is one day um, will um, be transfigured into the kind of glory that you would actually be tempted to worship. Uh, you, you know, think of like John in Revelation falling down before somebody and the guy's like, hey, I'm just a guy like you. But John fell down and thought he was a god. You know, you know, thought he, thought he might be Jesus. You know, whatever. And he's no, I'm just, a, I'm just a person. Um, everybody you come in contact with all day long is either someone who one day will be so glorious you would be tempted to fall down and worship them if you saw them now, or else um, will be the kind of creature that would be so repulsive um, and hideous that you would be tempted to just recoil in absolute horror. At, you know, something you only saw in nightmares. Um, and, and what he's doing there is just heightening the, the stakes. Um, what, you know, um, uh, R.C. Sproul, um, I think had a series where he said right now counts forever. Um, and so because, you know, um, eternity is in our hearts, Ecclesiastes says, um, we're made in the image of the, the immortal God, um, and there's heaven and hell. There, you know, there's the resurrection to life. There's the resurrection to eternal death. Um, and so the, the thought was sort of, uh, as I meditated on these things, you know, I didn't want to just, uh, I don't guess, you know, just repeat. I mean, a lot of things I'm doing, I'm just repeating what the Bible says. Um, so I, I'm not trying to be original in that sense. But in another sense, I also wanted to um, try to bring this to the table in maybe a, a slightly new or refreshing way. And, that, and so the thought was, um, I want to encourage husbands and wives to think in terms of um, we are practicing for eternity. Um, we, we know that um, uh, marriage um, won't, there won't be marriage in the same way in heaven. Um, but marriage now is a, is a significant um, a means of sanctification. We're helping one another to heaven or not. 
and and you know those you're closest with, the people that you live with, you're you have the most significant interactions with, and so really wanting to challenge husbands and wives to think that way that you know as you love your wife, you're loving her. Your job is to love her all the way to heaven, to to that glory. Um, as you respect and honor your husband, you're doing that to do you know to encourage him all the way to heaven. The stakes are high, um, so take it seriously. Um, that, was, that was the idea. I, lo- I love that. Yeah. It gives so much significance to like the, I think as women, we can get trapped in this idea that we're, our work is mundane mm. and, and insignificant because so much of it is the tedious, the diaper changing, right. the food making, the, right. but it gives this weight that really helps ground right. everything that we're doing right. and recognizing the theological and eternal right. significance of it. And it's, that was so just that first chapter was Incredible. Such a good foundation. And I love that quote from C.S. Lewis, the one you posted there. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. You can think the same thing about, you know, kids too, of course, you know, like, so like you're, you're, you know, changing diapers of an immortal, Mm -hmm. you know, like this, this little, this little person that you brought into the world, um, that you welcomed into your home is going to live forever. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, does, you know, if you think about it like that, does that, you know, is this insignificant? Is this Mac and cheese lunch insignificant? Well, I mean, yeah, in one sense, like it's, it's, you know, ordinary, but in another sense, it's entirely not ordinary at all because you're shaping that little soul to live forever. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, moms and dads that, you know, sort of resent that, you know, are basically, you know, are, are throwing away glory, you know, like you're despising glory. Whereas if you know, the, the, the mother that gives herself away, doing the dishes again, you know, making the meal again, changing the, you know, doing the laundry again, you know, what are, what are you doing? I, I'm making immortals. I'm, I'm making, you know, I'm making, I'm shaping people who will live forever to the glory of God. There's nothing mundane about that. Right. And just glorious when yeah. you put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So just knowing that a lot of the background of this is premarital counseling, what, what would be your hope for people who are already married who are approaching this book? Yeah. Um, what's the best way for that to happen? And one thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is I think as women, we can kind of be the ones to jump at books like this and kind of pick out, especially it's <laughs> then, a little different. And leave it on your, and leave it on yes. your, da- your, your husband's yes. bedside. Like, exactly. <laughs> Underline. Right. A little scribbly so, note. There's, with it open. Yeah. I mean, I've heard. Some women do that. So, some women. <laughs> I know. So I, just to head that off, the temptation to do that, because maybe a woman will hear this podcast or we will, we're going to do a giveaway later. We'll get this book right. and we'll go through and read these chapters uh, that you have authored for the edification of the husband primarily um, and say, well, he's not like that. Mm-hmm. And I wish he was. So she's going to highlight how, what's the best way for her to approach that too? Right. So, so for the first question, I would just say the bulk of the book is actually walking through um, Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3. That's kind of the core, and that's basically the structure of how I, the, um, the first few chapters are about who you are in Christ. Um, you know, tell me your testimony. Um, you know, um, do, you, um, do you reckon yourself in Christ? Do you know what that means um, to be a Christian, first of all? Um, and, um, and then, and then it, basically it's Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3. Um, all three of those sort of themes apply to everybody. You know, everybody that's married. You know, what, you know, you're preparing to be married. You've been married for five years, 20 years, 30 years. It, it's, it's the same. And it really is the same principles. And so um, I think that's um, easy enough to answer. Um, 
The second question is is a is a good one and and more and more tricky. Um, but I think the answer is going to be found in actually um, uh, obeying um, um, the commands of God, found actually in all three of those sections. Um, so um, the temptation that everyone has um, is you is to hope the other person's paying attention. I hope she's listening. I hope he's listening to this, you know, and you're in the sermon and the pastor starts talking about, you know, whatever and listening or thinking about somebody else. And um, that's not our job. It's, that's the Holy Spirit's job. You know, that's, um, you know, now if you're a father and you know, your son needs to hear a, you know, a message or you're a mother and you hear, you know, and you think my daughter really, you know, then you have a responsibility there and it'd be fine for you to check in with them after the message and say, Hey, what'd you think? Um, you know, um, so, and so there's places for that, but, um, but the first impulse should be apply it to you. And I would say specifically to your question in terms of wives who might be, you know, wishing their husbands were more of a spiritual leader or, um, wishing they took more initiative and, you know, leading the family or whatever, or there's challenges or tensions or so on. Um, I think recognizing that temptation, first of all, is really big. Um, and recognize that you're not going to fix your marriage um, by um, tricking your husband into it, basically. No, uh, no, <laughs> no what? It's not going to work. <laughs> um, you, um, and in fact, 1 Peter 3 is one of those passages that um, I look at in detail with um, uh, um, where Peter is addressing um, wives whose husbands are disobedient. Um, and it's... Um, and, and, I, and I say in the book, it's sort of wonderfully vague how he leaves it. So it's like, so disobedient husband. Is that talking about an unbelieving husband? Could be. Is it talking about a husband that's really, you know, a lazy Christian? Could be. Um, is it talking about a fairly strong, godly husband who um, loses his temper occasionally or, you know, forgets, you know, that dinner's at six and didn't show up till seven or, you know, whatever. Um, so, you know. It can apply to all of it. A husband right. who's disobedient. You know, there are no husbands that are not ever, dis, you know, right. <laughs> disobedient. Yeah. It applies to everybody. Yeah. W- what do you do? Well, um, it says there, try to win him over without a word um, by the conduct of your life, um, by adorning your life with the gospel such that it's so beautiful um, that God looks down on that and then um, wins him. Um, and um, which is a... Um, not manipulating, not tricking. Um, and at the same time, you know, it, it says try to win him over without a word. Um, I walk through that text in the book, and I don't think that means that a woman can't ever speak to her husband about concerns. But I think that the, um, one of the temptations of a wife, of a woman, is fr- frequently women are good with words. They're, they're, um, and they, those words can sometimes be biting. Those words can sometimes be nagging. They can, you know, whatever, right. um, or manipulative or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and so it's a weapon that needs to be wielded very carefully. And, and, and over and over again, the encouragement to a wife is respect your husband, respect your husband. And here Peter says, adorn your life with the loveliness of the gospel. So the thing that I would say very directly to, to answer your question would be take the things um, from this book, take the things that you get from other good teaching, take the things you get from scripture and apply them to your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the way to win your husband. That's what is she doing? What, why are things so different? 
You know, when, when, he, when he asked that question, you know, you can be honest. Well, you know, I've really been wanting, I just realized that I, I really want God's blessing more on our, our marriage. And so I've been really just trying to seek God's blessing to be as faithful of a wife as I can possibly be. And then leave it. You know, I mean, you could say, I, I read this helpful book or, I, you know, I've been really, you know, listened to this message or, you know, read this passage and I've just been trying to take it to heart. Oh, and, you know, he, he's smart enough. You know, where's that book? You know, yeah. um, you know, you know, I think it's fine to give, you know, give your husband a book occasionally or whatever, but I would just say, be really careful that it's, it, it's easy for that to come across as you need this, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. which is yeah. disrespectful, right. it, it, you know, like clearly you need this. <laughs> Have you read that yet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is, is not respectful. It's not honoring him. And, right. and, and no man worth his salt is going to want to take that. And, and then if he's just doing whatever you told him to do, you're not actually going to be that satisfied in it because he's not doing it because he wants he's to right. do. He's do, he wants to do it. He's doing it because you made him. Yeah. And that's no woman likes that. Right. I'm going to lead you in how you're going to lead me. <laughs> right. But yeah. you're going to be the leader. We'll, yeah. Yeah. we'll get to that a little bit later. But I'm going to be mad because you, it wasn't your idea yeah. first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. And the guy's like, I can't win. I mean... I heard from a friend. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's see here. I'm just looking over my notes here. Um, So we're going to move on to the single ladies or the not yet marrieds. Okay. Um, So what does it mean and why is it imperative to marry in the Lord? And I've heard some single ladies uh, tell me that they're okay with even marrying an unbeliever as long as they themselves are a Christian and they've, like, consecrated their part of the marriage to God. Okay. What, is that an okay view to take? Like, what are your thoughts on that approach? Uh, no, that's not a good view to take. It's okay. the wrong view. Okay. Don't do it. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, um, part, I think... Um, it's not surprising that there would be some women in our day that might have that kind of view, but I think it's a um, incredibly low view of what it means to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't, okay. um, you don't um, to, to be a Christian means that your entire life is set apart to God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christ has bought you with his blood. Everything belongs to him now. And, um, and it transforms everything. Even, you know, even things that, you know, you, you can be a downhill, you know, you could be a downhill skier before you're, saved and after, but the reasons completely change. You're, you know, the motivations change. Um, you know, there's, so there's pastimes and customs and so on, but everything changes when it's oriented to Christ. Everything becomes a sacrifice of praise, everything. And then there's, you know, obviously certain things that do change, you, you know, you, um, you, you're, you begin to put to death, um, sin and you're putting on righteousness. And so it just, transforms everything. So the idea of saying, you know, I can be a Christian, a healthy, thriving Christian, and intentionally, knowingly marry an unbelieving man, um, and everything will be fine, mm-hmm. is insane. Um, and, and just absolutely wrong. Because um, he, his reason for living is completely different. If you're, if you're outside of Christ, your reason for living is um, you have um, entirely different standards of what is good and right healthy and so on. I mean, how, what are you going to appeal to when you have to make a decision? Right. But not only that, if you're a Christian woman, you're promising to follow him. You're, you're promising to submit to him 
Um, and it's just, it's a recipe for disaster. In the, in the Old Testament, there are many, many repeated um, prohibitions for the Israelites to intermarry with the surrounding nations. And the reason given is they will lead you in um, to paganism. They will lead you away from God. That's what they do. If it's a healthy marriage, then it's, it's leading you somewhere. It's, there's a loyalty being built there, and you're going to be drawn um, uh, to that. Now, I know that there are um, cases where, you know, people go against counsel and they, you know, marry the unbelieving guy and there they are. And, you know, and, I, and it's really sad. You know, I, I don't know. If, I've never met a such, you know, a woman that was like a married unbeliever and it's going great. It's, it's, <laughs> I was that person. Okay. Yeah. And I, I bucked everything yeah, yeah. and I found, I discovered later, mm. I mean, after marrying my husband, yeah. like it all kind of hit me, like the implications right. of it. Right. We were already engaged when I became a believer. Okay. And then, yeah. yeah. And Praise God, my husband's a Christian now. Right, right. But there was nine years of our marriage right. where he wasn't. Right. And praise God, it was a mercy, mm-hmm. you know, and right. so many mercies. Right. But and, and, and the lesson, it, it, and so the thing is, is there's always, you know, there's nothing that's outside of God's control. There's nothing that's right. outside of God's grace. And he, and um, a Pastor Doug Wilson likes to say that God um, takes us, picks us up um, where we are, not where we should have been. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, yeah, praise God for his grace, but his grace is not a reason to do something dumb. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's not something and, to cling onto. Like, no. Well, yeah. it worked for Ash. Yeah. So therefore no, I, I am not advocating it because, <laughs> and because of my experience, I, you know, just as far as really coming around to understanding and repenting in, in I, you know, very much in love with my husband, we've had a wonderful marriage, but still knowing yeah. We're going to have children together. Right. I, I'm going to have to, like, I don't have a spiritual head at home. All these things. Do n- zero out of zero. Do not recommend <laughs> Diso- disobeying the Lord in that way. Yeah. Um, so I'm the first person to tell someone. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. yeah. In, in, the, in the New Testament, everybody says, well, that's the Old Testament, you know. Right. Well, in the New Testament, just in case you need it, um, you have um, Paul in, in uh, 2 Corinthians um, warning against being unequally yoked with unbelievers, which is a more general heading, not necessarily specifically marriage, but I would say marriage is one of the most central yokes yeah. somebody takes. So right. I think I, I think it can apply to like be careful about going into business with unbelievers, be careful with other kind of contracts and covenants and agreements with unbelievers because that's you need to be really careful. But I would say especially marriage. And then in First Corinthians seven. Um, Paul's actually addressing a situation where you have a believing and unbelieving spouses. And there he says, look, if you became a Christian or you knowingly married or whatever, and your spouse is not a Christian, do everything you can to preserve that marriage. Mm -hmm. Don't just walk out on it just because they're not um, a believer. Um, But he says that if the unbeliever leaves or the unbeliever um, is clearly not pleased to be with you, you're free to go. He says, and you're free to remarry. But he actually explicitly says there, only in the Lord. You're free to remarry right. in that situation, but only in the Lord, uh, meaning you've got to marry a believer. Of so, course. So, so even, if you, even if you don't understand, even if you think you're exceptional <laughs> and you're brilliant and you're amazing and it will go great, you just have to obey God. Yeah. It would be disobedience to marry an unbeliever. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of fancy footwork involved. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. But it is clear. So going beyond that, um, what should a woman be looking for when she's selecting a spouse? Or are there certain qualities in a man that she should be looking for as far as um, that goes? Yes. So obviously, so the first one we've already talked about, he needs to be a, re- a believer. Yep. And there needs to be fruit. You want to see fruit in his life. 
So um, depending on where you live culturally, sometimes that's easier or harder because there are still pockets in our country. It's getting harder and harder to you know live this way. But there are pockets where it's like traditional to go to church, you know, traditional to sort of check your religious boxes. And I would say, you know, if you're in one of those sections of the country or in that kind of subculture, make sure that you're seeing in a man um, the fruit of the spirit, not just the fruit of a generic Christian culture. Um, or just the fact that he's a member of a church. Okay, fine, but um, but does he love Jesus? Um, does he, um, and so I would say that, number one, verify, he's not even on, on your option list. He's not a believer with real fruit. Um, secondly, I would say um, a woman should want, um, she's being called to follow and respect a man. And so the, the it should be, he should have the kind of qualities in his work, um, in his relationships, um, and is and and how he interacts with people, where you look up to it, you think highly of it, um, and um, and and it really there's a there's a weird thing in in Ephesians and elsewhere. You have this um, husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands, and um, and I believe that Paul is saying it that way because he's speaking to our respective weaknesses, um, and speaking to the thing that this other spouse needs. And, and so women naturally love. They don't need, you know, now you should, should you love your husband? Yeah, you should love your husband. But your husband actually doesn't um, need love like you do. So you're, you love because that's what's natural to you and it's what you need. And so Paul says, husbands, make sure you love your wives. So I, I tell, you know, husbands, um, men, when your wife says, I love you, um, She's basically what she wants you to say. I love you back. <laughs> it's not it's, and 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 for a husband, it's sort of like you know, it, it's information, right? <laughs> and, and 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 but uh, and he's and he, and, he and, and it's great. But I have hate to break it to you, but he, but um, he doesn't need it like you do. Okay, he needs respect. Okay, and um and so um. And so the, um, he, um, and, um, so for you, it's food. Love is food. Love is nourishment for you. Um, but respect is his food. Um, that's what, that's what he needs. Um, and, um, remind me of your question. Um, we were asking uh, like what attributes, what a, yeah, yeah, what attributes right. to look right. for. So, thank you. I was, I knew I had a point. <laughs> that's good. So, um, many women, um, marry people, marry guys that they manage to love, who they oh. have no respect for. Okay, and there's a lot of um, you know you have women who over and over again marry complete dirtbags, mm-hmm. and and uh-huh. you'll ask them you know um, do, um, you know do you do you respect him? No, I don't respect him. Why'd you marry him? Oh, I love him. <laughs> Right. Well, that's not that's that's a that's a recipe for just a mess, right? It's a com- it's a complete mess, right? Yeah. Um, so women can love, and they'll they'll get they'll get drug over coals, yeah. loving, loving, loving a complete jerk. Yeah. And do you respect him? No. Then you should have never married him. Or if you're not even married yet, well then get away. Yeah. You don't respect him. Um, what does it take to respect him? That would be the question. You know, what, what kind of man do you respect? Um, and it's usually, it's things like, well, he does what's right no matter what. He knows what he believes. 
and he's not swayed easily by other opinions. Um, he, um, he's um, strong in various ways in terms of what he believes, what he stands up for. He could defend me. He could protect me. Um, he would lead our family well. Um, those would all be qualities that would add on. And then, of course, there's, there can be other you know, things like you know, th- um, things you have in common, interests, personality, all the rest of it. But top of the list, I think, should be that he's truly a Christian. There's fruit of the Spirit in his life. And then, and then right next to it needs to be, and do you actually respect him? Do you look up to him? Um, not do you love him? Not could you love him? No, no, do you respect him? Um, and the, the love part is, comes later. I was just thinking, man, I wish I had that talk when I was, you know, 16 year old self. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, save myself a whole lot of heartache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Um, what can a woman be doing to prepare herself in regards to her own character development and skills? Yeah. What do you think? So, um, yeah, our our um, our culture is all confused on this, mm-hmm. and so it's it's a it's a really important question to ask because. Um, you, you have the feminists on the one side who say that basically it means doing everything men are doing um, uh, and, you know, trying to keep up, up huffing and puffing or whatever, and it's sort of the rat race uh, of sorts. And then you can have conservative Christian, sort of put in quotes, scare quotes um, here, reactions to that. Um, and it's like, you know, so you just, um, you know, learn how to make bread in your house and don't leave home. Or, you know, I don't know. Right. Raise chickens. Raise, yeah. And, and sort of like this. And so, hey. uh, and so, and nothing against making bread. I love making bread, actually, myself. Or raising chickens. Or raising chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Although they are dirty. Um, they are. <laughs> we have a rat problem, but then I obtained three cats, so. Oh, oh there you go. Um, but uh, but I, I think the, um, the, the thing you want um, to do is, um, so you want to develop a biblical view of, um, marriage and the family. Um, and this goes back to sort of why I named the book the way I did, but you know, it's big, like think cosmic. Um, and, um, the, uh, I said this in the book, talked about this a few times in different places and I need to review what I said in my book. (laughs) But, um, one of the ways I sometimes bring this whole topic up is, um, I do, it's in the introduction, actually, I just remembered. Um, some, some Christian, some people get object, object to the Christian faith, um, and they'll bring up old Testament, um, uh, penalties, um, you know, yeah. Do, yeah. do you really believe in stoning adulterers? Do you really believe right. in, you know, putting a rebellious child to death? And, um, you know, I've done evangelism on a college campus here and, you know, you get those kind of questions or whatever. And of course the first answer is, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> I said in the Bible, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the Bible. Um, and, and, but then, um, but, and then I can add, you know, I don't think those are um, those are maximum penalties. I don't think they were necessary. I think the only death penalty that's required in the Bible is for first degree murder. Those are maximum penalties. But do I ever think that it's possible that um, somebody could be so adulterous and so ruin a family that it would be just for him to be put to death? Yes, I do believe that's possible. You know, how about a serial rapist? Right? Serial adultery. How about we put him to death? <laughs> um, uh, you know, or pedophile or, you know, whatever. It's like, they're, they're, there are really wicked things that totally screw up families. And yes, I do believe in the death penalty for those things. And I believe that there could be a certain kind of rebellion in a, and I don't think the rebellious son that's stoned was like, you know, 15, 
you know, I think he was a grown man who was ruining his family's legacy, driving the business into the ground, lying, cheating, you know, multiple robberies, whatever. And, and the, and the, and at some point does that um, need the death penalty? Yes, I do. I do believe that. Um, But the thing that I always sort of zoom out and say is rather than, you know, jumping to conclusions, I could never believe in a God that, you know, had these, you know, death penalties or whatever. So, so barbaric, all this sort of thing is, well, um, why, um, why do we assume that God doesn't know what he's doing? Why, why, you know, usually when you're driving down the street and you see a bunch of cop cars, you don't think to yourself, they're really overreacting, I think. Well, nowadays. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, but, you know, the, you, you see yellow tape and, you know, right. cones Even and still, stuff. We know you, something really you, egregious is happening. Yeah, you assume something's going on. There's a crime scene, you know, maybe, you know, there's you know, whatever. There's, there, there's an accident. There's something wrong, and they're protecting us from something. Um, we should think of the death penalties in the same way. God's mm-hmm. protecting something here. Um, and, you know, flip it around, the people who as- accuse our God of being barbaric. I look at them and I say, so ever since you threw out, um, the biological family, everything, ever since you threw out marriage and introduced divorce, you know, um, no fault divorce, and you can fornicate with anyone you want, and it doesn't matter, and you don't need to be married or whatever, we've killed 60 million babies. Who's the barbaric ones? Right. Right. No, no you guys are the barbaric ones, right? Um, yeah. Would you occasionally have a death penalty sentence for adultery in a biblical um, society? Yeah, you would. Why? Because marriage is that important. Um, it's, it's like a nuclear reactor. It's, you know, it's like, um, you know, we live in Idaho and, you know, everybody's, um, big second amendment, you know, rah, 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 libertarians, you know, (laughs) everybody should have guns and, you know, tanks and, you know, like, you know, and, you know, the hardcore, like you should have as many guns as the, as the military. So you can defend yourself against the military, you know, and you're like, and then you're like, okay, so should your neighbor have nukes? You know, and there's always one, there's always one person in the back. Yeah, <laughs> at least he's being consistent. Yeah. He's like, like, yeah, I'll talk to you later. But everybody, the most diehard, you know, red state, you know, whatever libertarians, like, well, maybe not nukes. You're like, why not? You're like, well, I don't know if I want my neighbor playing around with uranium in his basement. Why? Because if that goes off, our whole city's toast. Right. Our whole county's gone. Right. The fallout is enormous. When God puts death penalties on fornication and adultery, he's saying, if you mess with this, you're messing with something nuclear. Mm-hmm. The fallout will destroy generations. And we are living in that nuclear fallout, yeah. right? I mean, just do the stats of, you know, everybody that's committing crimes, everybody that's incarcerated, people who are committing suicide, those who are addicted mm-hmm. to all the, all the stuff. Do the stats, how many of them come from intact marriages? You know, not very many at all. Right? How many of them were, father, were fatherless? How many of them were in foster care? How, how many, you know, it's just boom, 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 right? What did we do? We played with uranium, right? We, we played with nukes. We said, no, 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 God's overreacting with all that, you know, you have to be married to whoever you have sex with and, you, you know, you have to stay married even if it gets hard. Um, no, 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 that's overreacting, you know, free sex for everybody. Well, we've butchered 60 million babies and counting and we have millions incarcerated. We have millions committing suicide. We have millions addicted to drugs. Um, at some point, you know, when are we going to stop and say, maybe God was right? You know, um, so the, 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 the stakes are incredibly high and all of this is long winded answer, but, um, to, to, um, so what does, what does a woman do to prepare for this? 
be a godly woman. First of all, be a woman of the word. Um, be a woman who is a woman of prayer. Um, do not get your, um, your preparation tips from the world. Find godly women, women who have been married to their husbands for many years, um, whose children love Jesus and love them. You know, find yeah. people who, where you say, that's a, you know, they're on their you know, third generation. They're, you know, they've got grandkids now that are, are walking with Jesus. Right. Find those people imitate them, sit down with them, talk to them. What did you learn? What should I learn? Um, be, um, and, and, and there's a really high standard here. It's, it's incredibly high because we're talking about a nuclear reactor. So when you get married, you and your mm -hmm. husband are being entrusted with a nuclear reactor mm -hmm. and you're going to have little babies that are little nukes, <laughs> right? <laughs> Some are a little bit more reactive than others. <laughs> in, in more ways than one. And, and, and so the, and so like, so when you get to things like, you know, should I go to college? Should, you know, should I, um, should I get job training? Should I get a master's degree? Uh, maybe, um, you should be as highly trained and highly educated and highly competent as you can possibly be. You know, we, you know, you, you wouldn't say, you know, well, playing with nukes, you know, that's just a, you know, yeah. you don't need any training for that. You need lots of training for that. Um, you need to expand your mind and your abilities to the maximum potential to help your husband run a house that's um, that's a nuclear reactor. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be good with finances. You need to be good with planning. You need to be good with communication. You, need, you know, so all those things. And I think there's lots of ways to do that. Um, but I think the standard the standard should be really, really high. Christians should have the highest standards of training for women, recognizing that their highest calling is to run a home, mm -hmm. to support their husband, to raise children, to love Jesus. Um, and that's, it's like running, you're like, you know, the vice CEO of a, of a huge um, business. Um, it, it, and so do you need training for that? Tons of training, but I would say, but have it shaped by the word, um, have it shaped by godliness and Christians, not by the world. Um, and then, um, and then go for it. Sorry, that was really long. No, but no I, I, really I apologize. Good. I, that was yeah. really good. We're, we're just like, <laughs> whoa. No, but, no, but, it's so good. You just want to have the standards really high. Absolutely, the stakes yeah. are high. Yeah. And so, and then, and then from there, I mean, there's, it, it'll look different for everybody, right. but I would say, you know, godliness, right. um, look for other women who have done it well. Mm -hmm. Um, and you see their legacy, you see their children, their grandchildren. Um, and you know, there's, there's, it'll look different depending right. on the circumstances, but I think, you know, high education, woman of the word, woman of prayer, so on. Yeah, no, that's really good. I know like when I first got married, I didn't actually have any kind of generation, any, yeah women to look to in my family, they had all been divorced multiple times, like more than your average yeah. American. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I didn't really have, um, we, my husband and I had just started going to Mars Hill in Seattle and right. like, that was really great for him. Um, but I didn't have anybody super solid. So, um, and it was a really big church, so I didn't really sure. know any of the um, pastor's wives. And so I actually turned to the Wilsons mm -hmm. uh, because back then Mark was, um, you know, promoting the pastor there was helping Doug stuff and right. Nancy stuff. And right. so, uh, man, if you're an older lady, there are ladies like me that just need a direction. I'm so grateful for Nancy to writing her, writing her book and Doug, too, because right. that was such a huge thing for us right. to get because I'm like I don't know I know what a bad marriage looks like right. I know that so I don't want to do that I have no idea what a good Christian marriage looks like at all 
And so I'm so thankful for, you know, yeah, for those women that were into and yeah. are just like, Right. Yeah. 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 And there are so many good women in the local church too yeah, who do that for absolutely. people. But I just know they have had such an impact as mentors and the generations that will be impacted are just, right. yeah, it's hard to wrap yeah. your brain around. And don't, and don't underestimate just s- simple um, obedience to the word too. Right. I mean, I know there are situations like, you know, where maybe you don't have somebody in your life or, you know, you can order, I mean, I yeah. strongly encourage you to get, get Nancy's books, but so much right. of it really is, um, just reading the word and obeying it. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, um, it, it really is, um, in one, in one sense, it's not rocket science, you know, in, in one sense, it really is. It, it's like, are you a Christian Then confess your sins and then forgive and do it again tomorrow and then the next day and then, and figure out how to stop doing that sin and start obeying God. And, it, and it's just little by little every day. That's, yeah. That's what that's what God blesses, and you learn wisdom over years, mm-hmm. and then pretty soon, you know, um, uh, you're you're actually, you know, there's women younger than you, and there right. you are thinking that you're still one of the young women, and <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> no, wait a minute, uh, actually, uh, they're I'm not twenty anymore. <laughs> they they need they need your advice and encouragement. So yeah, right. We talk a lot about that in the podcast. A lot of us are younger, but we are training to be that Titus II woman for other women. And so it's important for us to look at it and say, how do I reach that goal of being that person when I get there? And it's going to take a lot of hardship and sanctification and falling. and (laughs) It's a lot of practice. And it's sort of like practice being the kind of woman you want to be. Right. Like, you know, even before you're married, practice being the kind of woman that you want to be when you're married. You know, like practice. And, And it turns out you... Practice really does make perfect. Like you, you become what you practice to be. So we, oh man, we could go on for days. So I think what I think I'm going to make the call, and um, we're going to jump into just a discussion on submission because this is the hard. This is the hard, but such an important topic, and the way that you approach it is so. It just makes it such a beautiful thing. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, I'm for it. Uh, all right. Yeah. Yes. Just, do it. We're going to skip Back right to what is our duty um, as women. Um, so before we get to the duty, though, of wives to, uh, in submitting to their husbands, can you paint a picture of what biblical headship looks like? Why is it a blessing? Like, why is why is submitting that a blessing to, to that a blessing to us? Yeah. So um, first of all, we know it's a blessing because God commands it. Mm-hmm. So just period. Oh, that's good. And, and, and end of sentence, right? So, so fre- frequently, notes. <laughs> God commanded it. Oh, yeah. Frequ- for your good. Frequently, we want to understand before we obey, and that's a bad way to go. Um, it's a. It's really just not faithful. Um, he's the Lord. He sent His Son for us. He died for us. He rescued us from sin and death and hell. He is worthy to be obeyed, and obedience is glorious, period, full stop. So all by itself, just, you know, that should be enough. Mm -hmm. He says to do it, do it, do it cheerfully. It's a glory because you're serving your king. I mean, you know, if if you're, you know, if you're taking out the garbage for the king, taking out the garbage is no menial task. You're you're serving the king, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, there's that. Um, it's also glorious, though. Um, the Bible goes further and actually does give us some reasons. I would say the next reason that's given to us is it mirrors the gospel. 
So in Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And it says, Wives, likewise, be in subjection to your own husbands as the church is to Christ in everything. So, and then back down through the rest of those verses in Ephesians 5, it, he goes back and forth between Christ and the church, husbands and wives. And, and then at the end, it says, this is a great mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church here. And we're all like trying to get marriage tips out of it, you know? Right. <laughs> and yeah. and yeah. he's like, but I'm talking about Christ. Wait, I, husbands and, yeah. Um, and the, but the, the point being, um, so it should, it should be glorious and beautiful to us because, um, because the Bible says that it is a picture of the gospel. Do you love the gospel? Do you love the gospel of Christ come for his bride, the church? Then um, Paul says, embody it, live it. And the way that we live that is the church submits herself to Christ in everything. We want to obey him, back to that obedience word. Um, we want to um, submit to him in everything, trusting him that he is leading us and loving us and sanctifying us and bringing us to glory. And that, that he, he's laid himself down. He's washing us with the water of his word, it says in Ephesians 5, um, sanctifying us, making us holy so that we don't have blemish or spot or any wrinkle or any such thing so that he might present himself um, present us to himself um, holy, spotless, and pure. Um, that's, that, that's that glory we're talking about. You, know, you want that glory? <laughs> well, then our obedience in our marriages is the way that collectively as a church, we're obeying Christ. So collectively as the church, we're all the bride in the church to Christ. But then individually and in families, husbands submit to Christ by loving and leading their wives. And wives submit to Christ by submitting to and obeying, respecting their husbands. So that's the, that, that would be a, second, a secondary glory. And then the third thing I would just say is, um, I would say that um, the experience of the Christian church is a testimony to the truth of both those things. So those two things are enough all by themselves. God says it, that settles it, do it, just obey. It's glorious. But secondly, it, Pictures the gospel. It's the dance of Christ in the church. Um, it's beautiful because the gospel is beautiful. Um, but then third, I would say um, uh, it doesn't work any other way. It, it, you know, it, it just doesn't. And you and you look, you know, and you know, okay, you know, somebody can throw out some weird exceptional situation and you know, whatever. I, I, but I would say in general, um, the testimony of the church, the ages, the tradition of, of the Christian church, um, just testifies that this is glorious. It is beautiful. It is the way God made us. He, know, he knows what he's doing. And so when he calls us to these roles in marriage, he is not calling us um, uh, to these roles because he likes to see us suffer. <laughs> he's calling us to these roles because he knows what we're made for. He made us for particular glories. And he knows that men are called to the glory of being a husband who leads and loves. And women are called to the glory of a wife who submits and respects and follows and assists and helps. Um, does that answer your question? It does. That's yeah, that more than answered it. I, one of the most impactful parts of your book in regards to this was when I think it was in chapter nine, where you're talking about um, the commands of God are not there to help us just barely eke by as women through right. this like hard situation. And right. we're just holding on by the skin of our teeth. Mm -hmm. It's like a victorious triumphant, like, right. This is how we conquer, right. and that is such a paradigm shift. And right. that there's there's power in doing this, and right. it's not just this um, worldly 
what the yeah. world would see mm-hmm. as, you know, just being beat down. And, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think First Peter 3 is particularly the the, uh, the text that I think Peter is seems to be um, really pushing that, where a woman is re- relatively, you know, might feel relatively helpless in the face of a disobedient husband. What do I do? And the temptation is to grasp for things that you think will be your strength, your words. If I just explain it to him for the umpteenth time, he'll get it, or I'll remind him, or I'll put that book out for him, or whatever it is. Or, um, or sometimes he brings in the same time uh, in the same passage. Um, they'll try to manipulate sexually, or, or manipulate you know, with immodesty, or whatever, or something like try to get him that way. Um, again, it's you're grasping for something that's not. You know, it's a beauty is a gift, but that's. that's um, your power is actually, um, it says, in a gentle and quiet spirit. But that's not him saying, so lay down and take it. He's, he's actually giving, um, he, the whole point is to win your husband. But you want to win him in a way that at the end of it, what you have is actually a man. <laughs> yeah. Right? You want to win him in such a way that he stands up taller, that he's strong in Christ. Um, he hasn't been beaten down right. or um, destroyed in some other way. And so... Um, Peter says, you know, a gentle and quiet spirit, which is most precious in the sight of God. And I think that's the key, is what you want is you want God to see you and then fight for you. You want God to fight for you. You want God to defend you. And so what you need to do is you want to get to that place where God is pleased with you. And, of course, that's centrally in Christ, just resting in him. But then the secondary thing is, so if you're resting in him, obey him. Right. Do what he does. Do what he says to do. And if you're obeying him, um, yeah, these are not. Um, this is not you giving up. These these are tactics of resistance. These are ways right. of conquering sin in your yeah. marriage and in your family. And God loves to bless them. Um, and the very next verses, you know, like the women of old, like yeah, like right. Sarah, who um, obeyed her husband, calling him Lord. Mm-hmm. And you're her daughters mm-hmm. if you imitate that. Mm-hmm. You know and and you know, Sarah didn't have the easiest life. Right, right, no, yeah. She had to submit to a lot uh, harder things than I've ever had to submit to. Yeah, so. There's some things she could have questioned along the way. Yeah. 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 And probably, you know, yeah, maybe right. rightfully so, I'm yeah. not sure. But No, it's striking that he uses her as the example. Right. You're like, yeah. really, Sarah? And, yeah. you know, so, but but she she obeyed her husband. She followed him. Mm-hmm. And and Peter says, that's a glorious example. And, yeah. and, um, and, you can be her daughters if you imitate that faith of an obedience yeah. to your husbands. And I think this kind of like is a nice segue into, so you have this husband, you're trying to win him obediently or through obedience to Christ. Right. Um, and, and you'd mentioned in your book, like you're not saying that a woman just shouldn't or a wife just shouldn't just not say anything, that there's a, right. there's a particular way, and we find this way in Scripture, there's a particular way that a wife can approach her husband. Right. This was a mind-blowing thing to me. I'd never even put this together until I read this in your book. So I'm like, we have to talk about it because <laughs> I don't think anybody, I'm sure other people have put this together, yeah. but it just didn't even occur to me that we have the Psalms Right, right, right. Or that. So, right. can you kind of unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So, so the yeah the the verse in Ephesians says that wives are to imitate the church mm-hmm. in being in subjection to their own husbands, um, and everything. And so we should, I would say, so what does submission look like? We should look at what is the church, um, uh, how does the church submit to Christ, mm-hmm. and um, 
And one of the key ways, I would argue, is through prayer. And the book of Psalms is an inspired book of prayers. So, you, you know, and that it's, it's, I don't think our prayers are limited to the Psalter, but I think the Psalter should be like your go-to prayer book. And, if you, and, and what you find in the Psalms is prayers for every occasion, <laughs> you know, and, and they're prayers to be sung. Uh, if, if, you know this, if you know a tune, sing it, um, but at least pray them. And, and a lot of them are um, Psalms and prayers of respect and honor. Um, you know, Lord, I love you. You're great. You're awesome. All your wonderful deeds, you know, and then you did this and then you took out Pharaoh and then you fed them in the wilderness and it was great and wonderful and praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So wives submit to your husbands like that, respect them. There should be a lot of praise on your lips. Thank you for working so hard for us. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for going to work every day. I can't believe you did this and then you did this and then you did this, right? There's the praise. There's the honor. A lot of that. Those are not the only kind of psalms in the Psalter, mm-hmm. right? Um, you also have psalms like, where are you? Mm-hmm. Um, why have you not been listening to me? Why have you not been responding to any of my texts? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's been several days since we talked, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Um, now, I think that there are ways, obviously, of saying those kinds of things that could be very snarky, um, could be bitter, resentful, okay? So I'm not saying blank check on any of those things. But I do think there are, um, those prayers are given to God's people. And when we bring our heartbreak, when we bring our hard times to the Lord, we are fundamentally submitting to him. Um, you know, the, the Psalms are wonderful. And many of them are, again, are lam- uh, lamentations. Many of them are laments. And where are you? And it's not going well. All my enemies are surrounding me. Where are you, oh God? And, um, and, um, and when we do that, when we, when we bring our heartbreak and our, um, our sorrow and our troubles to God, we are doing exactly what we're supposed to do with them. We're supposed to cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. We're supposed to bring our, all our troubles to the Lord. And when a wife brings her troubles to her husband, she's being obedient. Now, there is a difference in that um, your husband is not Christ. And so a Christian woman needs to be casting her cares on the Lord also. But there is an imitation here that is perfectly fine. Um, and I, I like to point this out. I think there is a way that Christian wives are encouraged to pour out their hearts to their husbands in a way that Christian husbands must not do to their wives, which is something that yeah. people sometimes get mixed up on. Because, you know, and, and there's this sort of like, you know, we want to be honest and transparent and, you know, intimate. And it's like, well, sure. yes, but you need to keep being a man right. and you need to keep being a woman. Mm-hmm. And you, you all know this, but if when your husband, if he dumps on you, there's a difference between you knowing that there's trouble at work right. and you know, he's got it. So you're like, okay, there's some, there's stuff going on. He tells you, you know, whatever. And I think a husband, you know, needs to be honest with his wife, not hiding stuff or whatever, but he needs to communicate troubles in his life to his wife in a way that says, I've got it. That's good. But if you come in and just dump, okay, he's going to be out in 15 minutes, you know, <laughs> in bed, and you're going to be sitting up there going, what's going to happen? Uh-huh. And you're, right? Because yeah. <laughs> now, does he have it? What's going to happen? What's right. going to happen? Now, what does he just do? He just dumped on you, mm-hmm. and he's not taking responsibility for that trouble. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay? So there's a there's a um, asymmetry here 
in the way God's called us, where a man can, he needs, his wife needs to know what's going on in his life, but he should not dump on her. And there's a way, though, in which you are welcome to say, then, you know, then Johnny did that, and then Susie did that, and then after the 15th spank, we did, you know, we had to do that. And then, then she dumped cranberry juice on the carpet, and then, you know, it was like, yeah. and you, like, sort of let him know what happened all day long, right? Uh-huh. And, and it's his job to receive it all. And, and, and what about that, and how'd that go? And he should, you know, kind of work through the day with you. Uh-huh. Um, because what's going to happen? Well, at the end of that, you're going to feel great. Right. he knows, and he cares, and he gave suggestions and maybe prayed with you or whatever or just said, you know, good job, way to go. Okay, good, thank you. And then in 15 minutes, he's going to be out. <laughs> right? It does not change for him. Right? Because God made him that way. Yeah. Yes, totally. He, so he can carry it. Yeah. Right? It doesn't change for him. And so that's why it's meant that way. So the Psalms, though, I think are this, um, should be a, a model then of, um, of, of submission. And, it, and so it is not an unsubmissive for you to bring your troubles, your complaints, in a respectful way. So I, that would be the, the key thing, though, would right. be that's not a, um, a blank check for just whining, right. complaining. Dripping. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't be the drippy faucet. Right. Um, don't be the nag. Um, but there's a, come back around the other side, there's a kind of holy, where are you? And it's been really hard. And I need your help. That's respectful. And deferential, but is still communicating to him that he needs to receive, and and it's and he should not receive that as disrespectful. He should think that you know she is respecting you, um, in that. Awesome. Well, I think we're at the end of our of our podcast. Know, it went, went so way. so fast, but that was so good. We really appreciate yeah. your time. Really so, welcome. guys, we barely scratched the surface of this book. Really, just. I mean, we wanted to go right to the spicy submission topic. (laughs) (laughs) But there is so much here on Christian identity and communication and forgiveness and remaining in fellowship in your marriage. There's uh, chapters on the marriage bed, on biblical beauty as a woman. Um, There is an outline for a a marriage ceremony in the back of the book. Please go pick this up. Where can they they find it? Um, You can actually get it at No Mere Marriage. Dot com. The book is No Mere Mortals, but the website is No Mere Marriage. You can order it directly from there. It's, I believe it's also at Amazon um, and canonpress.com uh, is uh, the publishing company, and you can order it from there. Awesome, awesome. So we are also going to be giving away two signed copies of Toby's book on our Instagram page. If you don't follow us yet, please do, and then find our giveaway post and share the post to your Instagram story. Uh, There will be instructions there. Each share to your story is going to be an entry to win, and we are also going to be giving away two of our custom graphic mugs that say, Home is Where the Kingdom Advances. So that is it for this episode. And Kristen, you want to take us out? Yeah, so go love God, go love your husband, and love your kids.